Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back. This is part two of a discussion with Stephen Bartlett and Diane Buswell about creativity. Are men more creative than women? Are women more creative than men? Who's attracted to who? Why? That sounds like the start of a play. I might write it. This is part two. So what? But so what about flipping it again and, and looking at the, the, the positive argument in our in our traits, Diane? In that I do see working class people more represented in what I do stand up. I also saw them more represented in what I did before advertising, not on the suit size. Sorry, I know it's probably a pejorative term now. Things probably moved on. So in the business directors, the account directors, and the people running accounts, a lot more poshos, a lot more people that spoke the right way. Um, but in the creative department, a rag bag of people because money talks and we've just won more pitches. So we were, we were kept on. And for a lot of work, certainly with working class boys, boxing, football, comedy, whatever it is, anything where I can go out of the house and punch something metaphorically or literally to, to be heard. No one, no one can stop you doing that as long as you can hit on target. That's how I ended up headlines and now, and now punch lines i just realized it's the joke of it's actually called a punch line that's not a coincidence to me is it the same in dancing is it is there a more you can come from anywhere and it's it's a way of of rep, being represented because creativity can lift you up it's an extra bootstrap yeah it's dancing's a real interesting one because obviously the better results you have in dance the more you're gonna you know achieve I guess in the future I think myself was a very very different story I come from again let's use the word Bunbury again <laughs> I come from this really small town I wasn't the best dancer in my class I wasn't the best dancer in any competition I never in Bunbury won. you weren't the best dancer in Bunbury I wasn't I wasn't the best dancer in Bunbury I wasn't the fuck? The best how many people in, live there Diane? you know what I mean <laughs> All two of us, me and my brother. No. <laughs> um, but I didn't come from a really, really successful um, childhood of dancing. Like I, I had um, lots of disadvantages when it comes to even like, you know, my feet wouldn't point as much as the other dancers and all these things um, that, you know, like Stephen was saying, I could have, I could have said this is a disadvantage to myself, but I used to really work on the positive aspects that I did have. And I always saw that what I had, someone else didn't have. So I was, I always thought that in my head and, and that's how I believe I got to such a success in my dance. But I did come from quite a, you know, um, 
you know, my family were very working class and, uh, but a lot of dancers come from uh, very wealthy families and they've given, been given the best, um, you know, the best um, dance classes and all that kind of stuff. And they've been winners. And I mean, most of the, the pros on Strictly have won massive, massive titles. And I probably won the least out of all of them, but I don't really see it as a disadvantage. I mean, thank God for Anton DeBecco. Yeah, I know. He makes me look great. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's He's why, amazing. That's why I have him cracking jokes next week. Like a little absolute bollocks. Um, is, well, I really, really want to go into this creativity positivity link in a minute. Uh, I just want to give you t two more things. Um, one to make you punch the air, one to piss you off. So when we look at female musicians, female painters, female novelists, it's one of the few things we can sort of measure if we tune out everything else and they're all all more they are more creative than men they they simply are so if we take a female novelist and a male novelist of the same level same educational background same advantages tune out the demographics the female novelist will write more novels longer novels more ideas the same with the female painters even though there's a really underrepresentation of uh, female painters check out paula rago she's my favorite um the so it, interestingly the science doesn't just say ah oh, we're, we're all the same and we're constructed it actually says the, the sociology that we have that women are more creative than men in those fields in the painty dancey righty fields but how about this to fuck you off when we have female supervisors assessing work and doing reviews, they always assess men as more creative, even if they've done the same work as the women. Right. So the, it's not like sisters are lifting sisters up here. A study found that women supervisors assessed women as far less innovative compared to their male counterparts. Result, results showed that men are evaluated as more creative than women when making risky decisions. So if you were like, right, I want to do a rumba, but I want to do it at half speed about Anzac, <laughs> Anzac Day. And they'd be like, no one knows what Anzac Day is, Diane. <laughs> if Anton came in and said it, they'd be like, where'd you get it from, Anton? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know what I like. Yeah. That's some depressive shit, right? It is, yeah. It's, um, it's quite interesting to think of. But I mean, even as, I think when I was younger, I probably had those thoughts as well, because I, um, being a hairdresser, I would always want to be taught by the male stylist because I was like, Interesting. the male stylist, he's he's uh, so much, he's got more to offer me. I don't think like that anymore. But when I was growing up, that was the thought process that went through my head. So yeah. it is interesting. I, I I was really grateful that I had this male stylist to teach me, and I just automatically went, he's he's more uh, creative so i'm going to learn from him crazy when yeah um stephen Bartlett, i have to i have to unpack this because i feel like i mean don't get me wrong i read your instagram page sometimes i read it if i'm about to go into a meeting and then i go in there with my light suit on and have it <laughs> but i do wonder whether this creativity linked to positivity is just something that happens sometimes whereas we now live in a culture i think on almost an industry almost that tells us if you're positive you can be creative so positivity equals success whereas the, it doesn't stack up when i'm i'm film i'm recording this listeners in an, a library there's a painting on the wall behind me when i look across to all the authors i love and admire most of the novels on that shelf the very best ones were done by the most negative 
fucked up, hate their own work individuals known in history. Some of the best comedians I work with, not me, sadly, I think I'm a legend every night, come off stage and hate what they've created and go out the next night and are even better because of the horrible pit of negativity they live in. Yeah. We have to we have to look at the fact Van Gogh cutting off his ear and thinking everything he painted was shit is probably the reason why his painting is better than it would be. And if he'd have been if you can believe it, you can see it. I might be ginger and Dutch, but I'm the bollocks. Yeah. It, Let me... Do we live in a bubble of positivity, Stephen? As lovely as that um, bubble is. Here's here's my thinking, and this is just I have no evidence for this, but again, I try and turn to like first principle thinking to solve this question. That's great. So, That's what we love here. Okay. So I, I I actually do have a quote. You probably haven't seen it on my Instagram because it didn't do very well because people don't understand it. But I, I wrote that there's no art like your pain. And mm. and what I mean by that is in the times when I am, when like a girl has like, you know, I've broken up with a girl or whatever, I feel like I've got the most to emotionally express. And so I wrote, there is no art like your pain. And that's when I started doing, I started producing this theatrical show and I, you know, I'm listening to my music and it's because of pain and I'm trying to just express it and get it out. There's that energy, that pain or, or, you know, gives you. However, and here's where it becomes really interesting. So if, if we were to say that people that are going through some kind of emotional pain produce the best art, you'd also probably also logically reason that people that are going through the through pain are also the most depressive and unmotivated. So this is the paradox, right? Is mm. the people that do make it to completing that book will create a great fucking book, but, and probably a better book or a better piece of art than everybody else that wasn't going through shit. But the vast majority of people that are going through pain probably never get to the point because they're, they're depressed. And when you're depressed, you're demotivated, you can't get out of bed, you can't find the motivation. So what I'm saying is, just think about this, think about, this is super like hypothetical numbers, but if 99% of people that try to create something or to produce some art were feeling positive, maybe, um, I don't know, uh, of, those, of those 99%, half of them produce a great piece of art, whatever. If 1% of people who are feeling like shit, who are going through shit, produce a, a, a piece of art, probably 100% of those, like just talking rough numbers, mm -hmm. would produce something really, really good. But the problem is there's less of them because they don't get to the point they, where they have the confidence, the motivation to see their execution yeah. through, right? It's so that's, like I think- It's almost like a reflection of the class argument. How many Einsteins do we miss? Do we miss because, because they're depressed? But uh, and, and in Clark, and in people from deprived backgrounds, we lose Einsteins because they can never get a chance to be geniuses. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. So we, we lose yeah. creativity because yeah. they're not, they don't have the positivity to express it. Exactly. But Alex. the ones that get there produce the best stuff. Gotcha. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So do, but do we, sorry, just to push down on this, because I think it's fascinating. I hope it's fascinating for everyone else. Is there a difference between people that are expressing pain and i mean Diane, you must you must have seen it and i'm, I'm assuming because it's definitely the same when i'm doing a stand-up gig if i've had a really shit day if i can channel that my god it's a fucking great gig and also feel great afterwards is slightly different to someone not experiencing pain i'm just me it's a normal fucking day i just hate myself and my comedy at the moment i just think it's shit i, I look at that show and think it's shit and i have a negative attitude to great process i'm not in pain happily married everything's great there's no there's no rd lang this is the psychologist we're nudging towards expressing of pain there's simply negative bastard doing great artwork possible or not possible diane muswell well i think it or it's like i when i'm taking it into my dancing here if i'm negative i 
will definitely not dance right. Like, and I'm just saying like negative in general, like I'm just, I'm, I'm hating this, I'm hating that. I class that as negative. I feel like pain is a different, for me anyway, I feel like pain's sort of different. That's like an emotion mm. that I'm, that actually can help my dancing because mm, if there's like a, yeah, if there's an emotion that I want to get out, I express that through my dancing and then people are, oh my God, that felt really real. I'm like, yeah, that, yeah. that was oh, real. It was fucking But then real. if there's negative, or like just from having a shit day or like I'm just you know like like I wanted I didn't want cheese in my sandwich like that's really pissed me off like something like that <laughs> that's not gonna help me in my dancing so I feel like emotion and negativity are two quite in my eyes different things when it comes to dance and emotion helps my dance so so propulsive negativity I think we can agree is a bad thing not only is it a paradox it's quite hard to propel yourself forward if you think yeah. what's the point reflective negativity mm -hmm. i want to talk about now there's we have to be careful and just define terms here we're not talking about um looking at something that's good and just flinging shit at yourself till you feel awful we're saying looking for the things that probably weren't the best there's two types of stand-up when they get off stage people that go out oh, with the bollocks uh, which which i try to do but i'm always right okay ego back in the in the box mm -hmm. what wasn't right well, how can that be tweaked? Mm -hmm. Some of the biggest stars, I won't say their names on here, massive stadium fillers come off with their heads in their hands every night because of, there's six or seven minutes here that could have been better. Oh, um, definitely. I, I call it I... black box thinking. I got it from Matthew Said. If you've read this book, Black Box Thinking, which is you, you could come off, get all tens for a tango, but would a greater dancer go, I don't give a shit, I got tens. I know I was off by one count on that and that will never fucking happen again. Or would you go, do you know what? I'm I'm not doing that. I'm taking the positive and I'm going to be even better tomorrow. So uh, I, I would definitely be more inclined to, even if I got a 10 and I didn't feel like it was the way I wanted it to go, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel worthy of that 10. And that is a very uh -huh. dancery thing. Um, but, it, but it, in saying that, that has helped me to also get better in my craft. And I, I, you know, I'm not always negative like that, but sometimes I need to be to, to enable myself to sort of um, look at the, the things I haven't done so right and sort of build on that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it's fine line. <laughs> so, Steve, Steve, we're talking about reflective negativity. I feel like we've exhausted the propulsive negativity thing, and we uh, pain. Yes, we understand that, the, that it's problematic, but it does produce some great art. But to come out of something which, on the surface, everyone else thinks is amazing, mm. is it advisable to start looking back and going, "But what was not as good, or what was even shit that someone missed it?" To, this black box thinking. I don't know if you've read Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed. It's I haven't. Such a good but book. I, I have it, it behind me. The premise of the book yeah. is why is there so few um, plane crashes compared to why is there so many disasters with top level surgeons in operating theatres? And the reason is they have a, an agreement in the aviation industry that when something goes wrong, they open the black box, no one goes to prison, no one goes to trouble, the mistake is held up, celebrated, looked at. And then boom, never fucking happens again. Foggy runway landing mm. gear issue. Whereas in our professions, stand-up comedy, for example, or surgery, you don't really go publish your mistake to everyone else because it makes you look weak. So mm -hmm. the industry itself doesn't advance at the same rate, particularly surgery, because surgeons will do anything to avoid 
<laughs> revealing they sewed up a scalpel inside someone, for example. Mm-hmm. Whereas it sh- if they had black box thinking, no one got in trouble, no one got judged, there'd be less deaths on the surgery table. Mm-hmm. So there's a job for this black box thinking, is there not? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, I think I think the reason why probably everybody that's on this podcast today is here is because of that reflective um, critique of themselves. And that's what, you know, there's another book by um, Sir David Brailsford about marginal gains. And that's ultimately what what you're doing when you're, you're looking for and Sir David Brailsford. And I've, I've, I've sat here with the CEO of Team Sky um, on my podcast, and she talks about how all they obsessed about was trying to find that marginal gain. And Sir David Brailsford said, if we can, as you know, it's kind of cliche, but if we can find 1% improvement um, in in our team and our cycling team in Team Sky, which went on to be the most you know successful cycling team of all time, then we'll become great. And I think that's what ultimately all of us have described that we engage in, which is if I come off this podcast today, or if I come off stage in Brazil, or if I finish a pitch with a brand, of course, my brain goes to how can we be better next time? Um, the, the, the harm obviously is letting that impact your self-esteem to the point that it knocks your confidence and you refuse to take the opportunity in the future. That stand up you just described. Yeah. So that that, is the circle of stand up. No, it is. It's it's such a day. It is a dangerous circle because it's so, you're so naked Mm. out there. I'm not like I've pitched, um, sitcoms I've pitched shows and I've been shot down and it's gone shit. And of course you're still gutted that night, but it's not the same as you (laughs) here's my dad here's a funny story about my dad it's shit it's me that shit and the thing with confidence is it compounds upward very very slowly but it comes down fast Mm -hmm. it comes down you know you have one back where you get heckled and so your your confidence drops like a fucking vertical like i don't know like one of those vertical slides but confidence moving upwards compounds very very slowly it's like one case study after the other actually i'm not that bad Mm -hmm. and then once you get into the negative side so there's this thing like i was writing about my book like a positive confidence reinforcing cycle and a negative one where if you do something really well you get you know you get that boost then you'll go and try things but with a positive attitude which means you'll get better results and then you you compound upwards but then people also go the other way they'll have a bad night they'll then come to the stage next time with less confidence perform worse get heckled you know and then it you know spirals down i wait for the theaters to reopen okay listen we can't uh we cannot finish this 
discussion without talking about relationships and and friendships uh-uh. um i mean the but i suppose the key question that we i always think the weird thing about this show is when we got we got the figures recently about who's listening to it it's called boys don't cry we talk about height sex drive what women want 60 percent female listenership girls are interested in what the fuck is going on in the tiny mm. minds of men <laughs> So let me ask you, Stephen Bartlett, this. Are men attracted to creative women? As a, as a trait, you're in a bar. There's three girls. Sounds like I'm doing a joke. Um, they're all <laughs> equally fit. They're all equally your type. Let's tune that shit out. One's a painter. One's a banker. One's a teacher. Which profession is like, ooh, wouldn't mind getting to know more of that shit? So two things. The first thought I had was um, that like general attraction is like two jigsaw pieces. So if a guy is creative himself, if he's an artist, then he'll find that. Um, I think people will find think, that attractive. No, I, I think so. horses is, I so, mean, it, it's, you know, I see a female comedian. I just think, Oh no, banter competition. So let's, let, let's rephrase that then. So two jigsaw pieces, jigsaw pieces aren't the same shape, are they? No. They're, they're, so it's the way they come together to, you know, and it's opposites attract, whatever. The other thing I thought was, that creativity, as we said at the start, can be quite intimidating because it's mm-hmm. associated with more like confident artistic qualities. And gen- honestly, I think in some of my friends, if a if a girl is too interesting, that can make some of my non-interesting friends be like, oh, oh, oh. you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like they just want to like watch the football and she's I talking about- I hope they don't you know, listen to this. No, they, no, they won't because they're not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I mean, I've never thought of that. I mean, Diane, I mean, I think I can probably guess the answer, but two dancers in a relationship seems oh, to <laughs> It's a disaster, let me tell you. No, it does, obviously it works for some people. I have uh, been in a relationship with a dancer and I found it just to be way too clashing, way too headstrong. Um, Joe is by no means a dancer. He tried, bless his little soul. Um, he did very well, but yeah. he he is a super creative person. Like, and is that um, an attractive? Uh, is it if you're single? Is it attractive to women if there's the, the sort of creative guy there? Who uh, let's take it literally first of all, mm-hmm. like sort of painty poet novelisty. That's the very literal interpretation of creativity. But there's all the depressing evidence is that on a very shallow level. If he's got a bit of Wonga as well. I I mean, for me, I am definitely more attracted to someone who is creative and a little bit um, quirky, a little bit different um, as opposed to... But why? You know... This is what I always uh, think. There's some things like, I know women are attracted to men over six foot. It depresses me daily. But I sort of understand on an evolutionary level why. I understand why women fancy funny men. doesn't depress me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because back in the day, if you could make people laugh, it could diffuse tension unless people got hit over the head with a club. Boom. Uh, go forward 2000 years. Panani Master Kane in the house. But, uh, <laughs> but why? <laughs> why? Why creativity? I think for me, it's because um, because I'm creative. I then yeah, the see, I, I, I sort of see myself as uh, it, it makes me grow as well. I don't feel sometimes, you know, when you're a creative person and you're around someone that's maybe not so creative, they look at you and think, oh, like, I don't get it. Or I'm kind of like, 
like I don't care like and that shuts you down as a creative person whereas when I'm with another creative person I feel like my creative mind doesn't Uh feel blocked and I feel like I can just keep going and going and they're never going to feel like that's a stupid idea or I believe I can just be myself. Whereas if I'm with someone not as creative, I'm, I'm blocking myself a little bit because I'm always worried that, oh, they're going to think that's a really stupid idea or, you know, they'll probably think I'm actually slightly crazy or weird, which I am. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that I can be like that with someone creative. For example, Joe, he never thinks my ideas are crazy or that he's just like, oh, that's pretty normal. <laughs> so. Um, so, I mean, let's bring it out to a more broad definition of creativity in a relationship. So someone like you, a, a, um, an entrepreneur can walk into a business, see opportunities. I, I l- like that aspect of creativity in a relationship as well. Initially sat there with my beret and my easel. That's mm. That's going to get the relationship on, but mm. to make it last, you need to have the kind of creativity where it's like, okay, we're both unhappy at the moment. We've been together five years lateral thinking if this was a business what could we do differently we haven't fallen out of love what's going on you can use creativity Mm. to solve relationship niggles the same way you could solve business issues right yeah that you can apply that creative problem solving mindset to love yeah and this is this is why i always turn to first principle thinking and it's funny because when you were saying that i was thinking people probably don't think i'm a creative and the funny thing is society would have told me that i'm not i'm an entrepreneur so you and i'm a ceo so you do that but when i left the business in august i had a little bit of a chat with myself and i wrote about it in my book and i said like the only reason i'm not a creative is because the label that society's given me um doesn't allow me to be so I tried to resist, right? So I, as I said, I wrote a theatrical play, which is sold out in Manchester. 900 people are coming. It's with the director of Hamilton, did the music, did the choreography, did the choir. Wait a minute, when, when's this? In uh, July, July 25th. Jason nice. Manford's coming. You better have some fucking guest tickets left. No, I do. We have some VIP ones. Jason, Jason, we can sort that out. I'm there. I learned to DJ. So over there in the corner of the room is a big DJ set. I've been doing DJ lessons and I've got a show coming up DJing. I wrote my book, which is out today, Happy Sexy Millionaire. And I made the decision that I wasn't going to let society and this label, all my past, all my accomplishments define what I'm capable of being and doing in the future. Because as a comedian, with that label, you're given a set of implicit instructions about how you should and how you're expected to behave forever. And right. for me, this is why a lot of people, you know, they have these midlife crises that they work at fucking KPMG in the city and they re- because mummy said so and that mummy told them they were a banker or whatever. Then they have a midlife crisis. They want to jump off the, you know, the edge of the building because they weren't listening to that voice and labels mm. don't allow you to listen to the, your voice. So, 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 so far as this, trust me, this is intellectual adrenaline to everyone listening. <laughs> the, the specific question, if I could just bring you yeah, back to sure. it about using creativity yeah. and pro- problem solving. Have you ever done that? Have you ever? All the time. It's to my detriment, probably. Because so, I so you'll be with a girl, true. you'll be right. So you're, so you and a, a, a girl got to a point where maybe the spark's gone or something or something's not right. So I'm, I'm very much like that with Lindsay. I'll be like, right, this is what we can, this is what we're going to do differently. We're going to go on the holiday here. We're going to do this. We're going to do a date night from now on every Tuesday, no matter what it's date, like, you know, shit like that so, sort of sideways my, solving. My problem is I, I lo- and this is a couple of my business mentors taught me is to think in terms of probabilities. And if I get to the point <laughs> you, in a relationship, do you love me? One point seven eight five six. No, no, get out my fucking is, house, Steve. I don't care how crazy this sounds. It's the way my brain works. So, this is it. so if I if I get to the point where I'm dating a girl and I get to the point where I don't think there's one percent chance of marriage, then I'm wasting my time. <laughs> and so I will. I'm very efficient in relationships because I don't want to like business <laughs> like business meetings or Zoom calls. If I don't think there's one percent chance of us having a long term future. For me, it is a waste of time. So I will end it. And that's why I've 
I've been very, that. very efficient with my relationship. I love that. So. But it's logically true, right? Like, what are you... I'm getting in a relationship. Called, it'd be like a sci-fi movie called The Sperminator. I, <laughs> probability of success, less than 1% terminated. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> Shit, man, that is fucking kick-ass, dude. And what about you? Uh, I, won't, I won't ask about your current relationship. It's too intrusive. But it, it, as, a, as a general principle, Dan, are you quite good at going, okay, ha- not, not let's paint a picture, let's learn a dance. But I can't you, believe you, you said it's, it's too intrusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't you want to <laughs> ask about your current, you never know what state people's relationships are when we're in lockdown. But, you know, uh, when, um, when it comes to sort of moving sideways through love and going, what if we do this different, babe? What if we change things up? What if we move to the country instead of this? Are you a sort of... Do you bring that creativity to the structure of your 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 love life, your your romantic life, or do you tend to just go with the flow and wherever I'm taken, babe, that's where I end up? I'm kind of a bit more go with the flow, I think. I'm very good though at um, like if I don't see it working, then it's I just know it's not going to work. So um, I guess yeah, I I'm good at. At, at realizing that and if it works then I just go with the flow but if it's not working I'm very quick to be like yeah this isn't working it's and it's not going to work kind of thing I kind mm. of yeah I kind of go with the one percent one percent as well I like, I like that I'm I really like there you that go. but I'm going to bring really that to like every that. other experience no you're sperminator too yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring it to every other experience I like that I like so, so when my manager says do you want to do this I, I detect a less than one percent chance of people yeah. laughing I will not be coming I will not be <laughs> mind you if you've got a less than one yeah. percent chance of people laughing it really is yeah. mind you they're the gigs that pay the money they pay yeah. the fucking money <laughs> hairdresser awards and uh, right okay Apart from this amazing 900-seater, uh, is it a musical production? Musical production. Musical motivational anything, anything else you want to plug? Obviously, we've got your book. People should really read that if they want to feel inspired. Anything else? No, Who that's it. Diane, anything coming up we should look out for? What are you up to? Any, I mean, here's me your saying, podcast. yeah, <laughs> Dye Salon. Here's me saying I'm not into the industry anymore. I have a Dye Salon podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I have that, obviously. Um and Any theatre yeah, got- stuff pencilled for later uh, in the year that will probably get cancelled? Poss- possibly some theatre stuff coming up. So, yeah, um, just uh, as we all know, it's really hard to determine what's going to go ahead and what's not at the moment. So we'll just have to keep waiting and see. Guys, what can I say? You know, these are always interesting, but today I don't think it's an exaggeration states will be useful to a lot of people. There's some practical things that people can do there to try and boost their creativity and and you know thinking about creativity in a different way to bring it to other aspects of their life so thank you so much diane buswell stephen bartlett an absolute belter of an episode i'm off to do a brainstorm and maybe some jackson pollock action painting <laughs> in the kitchen <laughs> ivan russell kane do hit subscribe do hit like leave us a five star wherever you get your podcasts thank you very much goodbye A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.